The word says we're called to make disciples. We're growing in the word of God. Jesus Christ was sent to be our saviour. This is the Bromley Town Church Podcast. We pray God speaks to you through this message, blessing you as you live out God's word. Stream or download other sermon podcasts via the Bromley Town Church website or by using the SoundCloud app. Head over to bromleytownchurch.com. Today we come to, and I know this is going to be sad for you, we come to the fifth and final part of our series, God's Family. I know. I know. Now, in truth, the thing is, you've probably forgotten some of the things that went before, because it's like, that's the real truth. And I've been talking to you, in fact, I used the first three weeks talking about testimony, my testimony, trying to unpack some things that are about growing in God's family, and trying to get a, a feel of some of the things that God has been doing in my life, because I wanted to encourage you to go deeper in your lives, and to build relationship with your Heavenly Father. God loves you. God loves you. He cares for you. He is for you, not against you. So often stuff comes into our lives. In fact, we're sitting here, and if we could all come up to the front, and we were all to go through our own life history, we would be here for hours. We would be here for days. We would be here even for weeks, as we're listening to stories about what has happened to us and about what God has done. Some of those stories are sad stories. Some of those stories is a work in progress. Some of us are still carrying wounds of the past. And, and God has done great work, but there's still things we want him to do in our lives. As we come into God's presence today, we're asking for his mercy over our lives to bring healing to us. You know, the woundedness of a heart can cause you to switch off your mind to God. Because you're still trying to, you're doing, spending all your time protecting the things that have happened in the past. But God wants us to open up to him. And sometimes that takes courage. I want to encourage you to be courageous this morning and to allow God to do his work in your heart. You know, I was saying about Doreen, and this was no reflection of Doreen looking maybe slightly blank in the Alpha course, you know. Here's all that teaching. Huh? <laughs> we don't know what goes on behind our eyes. We don't know what words are being said that really affect our hearts. But God is able to do far abundantly above all that we can ask or imagine. That's what the Word of God says. And if there's estrangement in your family, if there's broken relationships, if there's divorce, if there's all sorts of things that have come against you, friends that have let you down, people that have uh, just hurt you, listen, God is able to help you. Something's been on my heart this week, actually, and I realise now I'm making a mess of this because the time's going on. But I'll just say this anyway. Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. God is asking us to thank him. What? You want me to thank you? And you, you don't know what I'm going through. He knows exactly what you're going through. Kevin started this service by showing to us the purposes, the plans of God, they are steadfast and they remain. What we have a problem with is trying to work out why on earth that difficulty has come to me. Because suddenly if we were God, we'd say like, well, I wouldn't have that in my life and I would change that and I'd make sure that person's all right and I'd make sure that situation never happened. But you see, we're not God. He is God and we are created. Thanksgiving enables us to continue to trust him. Lord, this is tough, but you're in control. 
Uh, it seems like you've forgotten me, but I'm just reminding you that I'm still here. Thanksgiving helps us to connect with him. In fact, the word of God says this, we come into his courts with thanksgiving and praise. It's an entry point to his presence. And if you want to find God in your life, then we need to start being thankful. Thank you, Lord, for this day. Thank you, Lord, for the snow, even though it's cold. Even if, thank you, Lord. We don't know what all this is about. Why did the beast from the east fly in this week? I don't know. <laughs> he's here and he's passing, or he's passing on. He's going on. But we experience these things, but God wants to bring thankfulness from our hearts. Father, we just choose to give you thanksgiving this morning. We choose to thank you that you are in charge. We choose to thank you that you know all about us. We choose to thank you for the breath that we have, for the food that we have, for the homes that we have, for the protection that you have brought to us. We choose to give you thanks because you are good in all of your ways. Father, we confess you. We do not understand life and all of the stuff that comes against us, but we know that you are for us, not against us. Therefore, we thank you that you are over our lives, that you are our protection, that you are our safekeeping. You indeed are a strong tower that we can run to. We thank you, Lord, that you are for us. We thank you that you are our helper. Now, Father, we pray, let your presence come upon our hearts. Minister into our souls this morning and show us that you are God and that you are on the throne. Oh, Lord, anchor yourself in our hearts, I pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, we've been looking at God's family today. I'm just going to look at the title of friends, relationships. Now, actually, when you mention the word friends, there's that TV program, which I'm sure virtually everybody in this room, this, probably nobody hasn't seen one of those. Why? Because it's been on TV all the time. And, oh my goodness. And different companies have bought it and whereas it was on one channel and now it's on another channel. So people have seen something of Friends. And in that uh, TV program with people, what was it like, Phoebe and um, Joey and Chandler, all, all those characters, people loved it. They loved it because it was humorous. They were getting up to antics and having laugh as, uh, laugh as people. But what I think really attracted people was they saw a group of people who were there for each other. They saw something in those friendships which was like a real family. And you know what? There's something in each of us that wants that. I, I want to see that. You know what they say, that you can uh, choose your friends, but you can't choose your family. And sometimes like, Ooh, I'm not sure about my brother or sister. Okay, so I'm going to choose friends, and I go for friends. So in this program of friends, there they were, they're just friends, but they were like family. So it's like the best of. And I think, you know, I don't agree with everything the program presented or its moral standard on lots of different things. But, so I just want to say that, you know, for goodness sake. It's a terrible program. <laughs> But also, today, rather than denouncing those things, we also want to look at some of the good things of that program, and friendship was one of the good things of that program. That's what I'm trying to say. Phew, got through that one. Uh, so, hallelujah. Exactly, where do we go from here? I'll tell you what, let's have a quick quote from Mother Teresa. That will get us back on track. <laughs> Mother Teresa, who spent her life working in the slums of Calcutta, said this, the worst disease was not AIDS or cancer but loneliness. See, the reason the program Friends was so uh, engaging for people was in our society, the problem is loneliness. We talk about sickness, and in this country, we talk about the problems with the NHS and things like that, or you know, how much money they've got. But you know what? Sicknesses are being taken care of. Loneliness is something that's out there, and people want friends. 
And God, God is a God of friendship. You know, we see that in the Bible. When we read scriptures, we're finding this Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and there is this blessed trinity that are constantly in unity, complete unity together. They're working together. There's no disruption between the Godhead. There's friendship, as it were, between Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And we see that God created man in his own image. Why in his own image? Because he wanted relationship with this creation. They wanted to make them something like him so God himself could connect with us. God wants friendship. And when we go through the Bible and we start opening the scriptures, you go into Genesis, if you read from the beginning the story, which I would encourage you to do, start from the beginning, work through to the end. But you see there in the beginning, here is a God who wanted friendship with Adam, who he had created. In fact, he had friendship because he met him and he associated with him and he loved him and he taught him and he encouraged him. And that was God meeting with Adam in the beginning. But when sin came in, it started to disrupt that relationship. But even in the disruption of that relationship, and even the disruption that came for Adam, because now Adam was trying to get clothes and hide his nakedness, and he was hiding from God, and yet we still read that God came down to the garden and called out, Adam, Adam, where are you? Because God wants friendship with his creation. And again, when we read through scriptures, we read of people like Abraham, and it's said of Abraham he was a friend of God. And people like Moses, where God met with him face to face. He spoke to him as a friend speaks to a friend. Face to face. We see all these elements in scripture of friendship. Friendship is so important. And the Bible teaches that even while we were still sinners, while we were enemies of God, God, out of his friendship towards us, out of his love towards us, he sent his son to die for us that we might be rescued from our sins and brought into relationship with with God. And even when Jesus himself came, Jesus who went around doing good, healing the sick, but he was meeting with people all over society, all over Jerusalem and the surrounding areas, meeting people from all sectors of society, the people that the religious leaders didn't want to meet with. And it was said of Jesus, he's a friend of sinners. But it was said in a derogatory way, but at least for us we understand, oh, but he is a friend of sinners. Listen, are you a sinner? You've done things in your life that you regret, that you wish had never happened? Have you done things in your life? Are you still involved in things in your life that are causing you complications and difficulties? Listen, Jesus is a friend of sinners. He's a friend of sinners. He came to rescue you. He is a true friend. Now listen, let's look at some of our points, which we've got to run through pretty quickly here. Friendship is obviously core to Scripture. That's the point I'm trying to make. Let's ask a question. What do friends do? What do friends do? And I've got three things that I think they do. First of all, just as in Friends, the program, friends are there for you. I can't sing that song, even though it's going through my head sort of at the moment. Do you know how you get the... Anyway, we won't worry about that. They're there for you. Proverbs 17, verse 17 says this, A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for a time of adversity. A friend loves at all times. At all times. Friends are there for you. The reason that we call people friends, oh, they're my friend, is because when you've got problems, you can go to them. They are there for you. They are there to connect with you. There's somebody you want to, look, I I just want to talk to somebody. So you get hold of your friend, and you sit them down, 
and you make them buy you a cup of coffee, and then you just whir, go, and I say, great, thank you. Okay, I'm feeling better now. See, that's friendship, because a friend is there for you. They're there for you. It's not like, oh, you want to, to talk to somebody, and there's nobody to be found. A friend is the one who is there and will sit and listen. Not only just sit and listen, but that's what they're there. Friends are there for you. And the reason we like friends is not only are they there for us, but they speak truthfully to us. And that is so important. We need to have people, some people, who will tell us the truth. Proverbs 27, verse 6 says this, Wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. Wounds from a friend can be trusted. Now, that's an interesting, isn't it? We don't want our friends to wound us, but it's not that they're actually going out to hurt us. But sometimes we say the truth hurts. Sometimes we have to face facts. Does this color suit me? No, not this color, because obviously blue is my color. But does this color <laughs> suit me? You know, people ask that. They're from, you know, when they're out shopping together, buying clothes, does this suit me? And you want an honest answer in that. It's a very poor example. But that's the sort of thing. Am I being too sensitive in this situation? You know when you've got things that are going on at work and you just want to talk about them? Should I be cross about this? You can talk it over with a friend and they, they can often say to you, listen, calm down. You are getting too het up. Yes, you are being oversensitive. Yes, you are being a bit difficult. That's what a friend can do. A friend is there for you. A friend is there to actually speak truthfully to you. And what else do friends do? They strengthen us. Proverbs 27, verse 17 says, As iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. Now, let's be honest, it's not that you actually sort of get out a sharpener and you start rubbing it up and down your friend. The point is that in relationship, that people can actually start to point out the things. We need somebody who can see us, our lives, our behavior, and report to us of what they're seeing. That's what it means. And so therefore, people who are coming at your life from a different perspective, who you trust, who you allow into your world, they can actually give you a reflection on yourself which can be really helpful. Hands up everybody, and don't, they haven't got to answer this, but hands up, I want to say, hands up everybody who loves being told the truth about what they're like. So like, you know, you get the hand about this high. Well, I sort of want to know, and yet I don't. Because truth does affect our lives, and it, and it can be painful. But in the long run, those being told the truth can actually help you develop and change your attitudes, your behavior, which can be really beneficial. As iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens another friend. They sharpen them, they strengthen them, they are there for them, they are there to tell the truth to them, they are there to help them. That's what friends do. They help us to help shape our lives and to keep us focused they help us see things about ourselves which we can't see for our, from ourselves, our own point of view. Second point, making friends. Firstly, what do friends do for us, but making friends. Now, in truth, making friends is not necessarily an easy task. 
You see very young children when they're playing in a soft play area or something, they, they just go up to another child like them and they start interacting with them and they start chatting and they start playing together. Not always, but you, know, you often see that. And yet as, as adults, grown-ups we might say, we take a step back, and suddenly the barriers are coming up, the protection, oh, I can't do that, I can't speak to this person, I ought not to do that, my culture says no, or whatever. We start to hold back from each other, and often we can find that making friends is difficult. But let's just remember this. The key to any relationship, or to any person, is that we all like to be liked and loved. Every one of us. We don't go around saying that. Oh, I like to be liked. I like to be loved. But inside, that's what we're looking for. We're looking for affirmation. We're looking for people to love us and to like us. And so really, if we want to make friends, then we need to remember what the need of the human being is. And that is that every human being likes to be liked and likes to be loved. So if we want to make friends, then we need to be loving and to like people. There's no point in trying to say, like, I want to go and make some friends, and then the people you meet, you don't like them. You've got to like people. And as Christians, this is a message for us. Listen, we want to make friends with lots of people. That means that we have to like people. What, people who are different from us? Yes, we have to learn to like people. And we have then, you like and then you love. And you do loving things towards them. That is a way that we can actually establish friendships and build relationships. Listen, people can very quickly work out when they're not loved. You know, even if we're, we're polite to them, but there's somehow in the words that we use in our politeness and our body language and the way that we are actually conveys something of what our heart's really thinking. I don't really like them, but I'll be polite to them. You pick it up. You know this because there are people who seemingly seem nice to them, but you, your opinion of them is, well, they don't really like me, or they're only doing this because they want to get their own way. We know this is how we behave. And yet there are other people who you are touched with when they come into your life. You're touched with their kindness to you. And what does that do? It draws you into a relationship with them. It wants you to hang around with them because you like the way that they treat you. Listen, if we are to make friends, then we've got to be friends. And if we're to make friends, we've got to learn to like people and to love people. Jesus gave an example of this in a story he told when he was actually explaining to a religious person, well, who is my neighbor? Who, who is the person that I should associate with? Who is the person that I should help out? And it's the story of the Good Samaritan. Now, if you know that story, then I don't really need to tell you. But if you don't, I will just say a few things about it. The story that Jesus told was of a man who was on a journey from Jerusalem to Jericho. So he's on a journey to Jericho. He's on that journey, he gets mugged, basically. He gets beaten up. His possessions get taken, and he's left half naked by the side of the road. That's the story. And then the story goes on to say various people who came by that road to where he was and how they dealt with him. And the first person who comes by is a priest. And so what Jesus is saying is, listen, this is one of the religious leaders. This is one of the people that has been taught the word of God, which is, I need to love others. So he's been taught that. What does he do? It says in the story, he just walks by. He sees it and thinks, too much problem for me. So he walks by. 
And then again, it's now not a religious leader, but now it's talking about someone who is a, if you like, a churchgoer, a Levite of the same tribe, those people who have been set apart to serve the purposes of God. So let's say a churchgoer, like ourselves, they see the problem, too much problem for me, so he walks by on the other side. And then Jesus captures the attention of all of the religious leaders, all of the Jewish people, by suddenly talking about a Samaritan. Now for us we say, oh, Samaritan. But the thing is with the Samaritans, the Samaritans were the group of people whom the Jews had nothing to do with. We don't have anything to do with them. Oh, their history. Oh, it's a long story, but in times past they came and they, when we were trying to build the temple, they said they were going to help, but they're not really from us. They're not true Jews. They're not, there's all sorts of stuff they have thrown up about the Samaritans, but basically hear this. We don't like them. We don't talk to them. We separate ourselves from them. And yet this is the person who comes along, but he sees, hey, there's a guy in need here. Quick, let me come down and help him. What does he need? Man, this guy has been beaten up badly. Quick, let's help him out. So he gets off his donkey, he comes, he helps him, he binds up his wounds, he patches him up. He sees the guy that having patched him up, he can't just leave him there. So he goes the extra mile. He puts him on his donkey now, he takes him to the nearest hotel, he has him put up, and he says to the guy, look, here's some cash, this will pay for his next night's stay, let's make sure he gets better, gets stronger, gets fed, and I'm coming back here soon, if, you, if it costs more than I've given you, then I'll repay you at that time. That's the story. And Jesus used that to answer somebody, well, who is my neighbour, who should I be interacting with? And he just said, look, that's friendship. That's when you see somebody in need, you go to them, you accept them, you like them, you love them, you help them. Do you think that that man who had been beaten up, he had a bad report of the Samaritan? No, I don't think so. I think he would have told all his friends, this guy, he helped me out, he was great. And if he had had chance then to carry on having friendship with him, I believe that friendship would have grown and developed. Jesus tells us what friendships are like and what we need to work at in our friendships. We know what friendships do, but to make friends, we need to be a friend to somebody else. And when we don't always understand what friendship is, it means that we are giving ourselves. Last week we touched on Mother's Day about what mums do and how actually that represents the love of God from the point of view that mums give out. Now I know that mums sometimes give a smack, or a hearty rebuke as well. But when we look at the whole picture, obviously that's true in some cases around the room. I see the wry smiles come up. When we look at what mums do and we understand what love is, love gives, love costs, but love has great effect. And if we're to make friends, then we're going to have to love other people. And thirdly, levels of friendship. We say or talk about making friends, but you know what? There, there are different levels of relationship, different levels of friendship. And if we didn't talk about this, we would be being silly. Because when it says, oh, I'm a friend, you can say, I'm a friend to the people I work with. And, and that friendship is different from what you describe as your closest friend. So I put it down like this. There are friends as in there are people that we know that we are acquainted with. But the, the word that we would use is, oh, I have a friendship with them because I'm not estranged from them. I know them, I've talked with them. So there is a level of friendship there. 
But that level of friendship is not the same as somebody who you would say, your friend. Someone who you're seeing every day. Someone who you're associating with. Maybe somebody who you're at work. So you say, I've got a friend at work. And yet, we also know a friend at work is not necessarily your best friend. But it's somebody you're more familiar with, you spend more time with, you talk to more often than just somebody who you've got a casual acquaintance with. So we have casual acquaintances, we have people at work, but then again, there's another uh, level, which is what we describe as our best friend. Or maybe we wouldn't use that, but we just say, that is my friend. And when you're talking about that person, you know that that person you share a lot more of your life with. That's the person that you would go to if you've really got problems that you want to unload to because you know you can just talk yourself out of your situation and they will listen. And then if they're given permission, they'll feed back. But otherwise, no. So there's different levels of friendship. We see Jesus having different levels of friendship. He had 12 disciples, so they were like his friends, the, the guys he was hanging around with. But actually, when you go through Scripture, you see at certain situations, Jesus himself would say, hey, Peter, James, John, come with me. When Jairus' daughter was sick, and they went to, see, uh, to, to help him and to, to bring healing to his daughter, in actual fact, his daughter had died, Jesus didn't just go into the room, hey guys, everybody in, everybody in. No, he just said, Peter, James, and John, come with me. Now, it doesn't specifically say these were greater friends than others, but you can see by the actions of Jesus, there was something in a level of trust that he had in that relationship that was more intimate with those ones. And so there were various occasions, as I say, when, for instance, on the Mount of Transfiguration, it wasn't the whole disciples that went up there, it was Peter, James, and John who went with Jesus. And yet, having seen that there is 12, and yet there's also three, we also read of the fact that John was the disciple whom Jesus loved. In other words, that was like his best friend. So Jesus had people in friendship, but also in different levels of friendship. Now here's a question. How can we go to a deeper level of friendship with somebody? How does that happen? How does that work? What is that we need to do? And, and there is a cost to that. And the cost in building deeper relationships is intimacy. Now, intimacy is an interesting word. Intimacy means that you are associated with close personal relations. Intimacy is characterized by warm friendship. Intimacy is something that is very private or closely personal. And of course, as soon as we use that word intimacy, in our society, intimacy has that sort of instant connection with, okay, there's some sort of sexual activity here. Because there is sexual intimacy. And we know that in a marriage, sexual intimacy is what helps to hold that covenant together and to build the relationship between the man and the woman in that relationship. But I'm not talking about sexual relations here. I'm talking about the fact that the human soul needs intimacy. And that's why we need friendships. Because friendships create that understanding, that love between people. It costs, though, because to build intimacy, you've got to share your heart. You've got to start to open up. You know what? We want other people to trust us with their stuff. Because we're reliable. We'll listen. We'll sit. Hey, you tell me your secrets. But you see, nobody wants to tell you their secrets unless they're confident on how you will behave with them. Because you could buck and say, you did what? You behave what? I think that's disgusting. I would never behave like that. And suddenly your personal story's gone in there 
And now you're made to feel, yeah, well, okay, and you want out of that situation. You see, it takes a risk for us to share what's really going on inside. But when we do share, it starts to build a deeper intimacy in a relationship. And we hunger for that. Because when people tell you their secrets, as it were, tell you what is going on in their hearts, tell you what is going on in their minds. Guys, you can come back up. And we'll go that way. Okay. When people are telling you what's going on in their hearts and in their minds, it, they are saying, I trust you enough to share these things with you. And when we know that trust is being transacted in a relationship, it allows deeper intimacy to take place in that relationship. And we hunger for intimacy in relationships. In our society, where we've already said there is so much loneliness, our society is hooked on overcoming that loneliness by intimacy, and intimacy is found in sexual union. And there's so much sex around the world that it's almost got, it, it's, it, it's corrupted, so corrupted. It, in the end, it doesn't produce what people are looking for. We need to be building friendships that actually build intimacy into our lives. We need to be prepared in relationships to start being more truthful with people. I have the privilege of talking to many people here, and I'm not suddenly going to share everybody's secrets. I'm not saying that. But I'm amazed at some of the conversations I'm allowed to have where people start to say, this is what I'm really like. This is the stuff I'm really dealing with. Some of the guys that come on the door here, during when you're out of this place, we have all sorts of characters come to the door here. They share their stories. Some of them are dealing with stuff. Now, when you hear somebody saying, listen, I'm, I'm dealing with an addiction to cocaine, what are you going to do? Judge them or seek to help them? You see, people start to get honest. This is what I'm dealing with. I've got problems with this. I've got problems with these addictions. I've got problems with these thoughts. When people start to be honest, you know what you find? We're all the same. Okay, I'm not saying that You've all got addiction to co cocaine. But you know what? Every one of us has an addiction to something. It might be Coronation Street. It's not the same in society. But you know what? It can lock your heart up the same. Some of us are still holding on to so much pain in our lives. Because we don't know how to get rid of it because we're frightened if we tell people that we're lonely. If we tell them what we're really like, we're going to face rejection. Some of us are thinking like, you know, like, what's going to happen to me in the future? I'm struggling enough with life at the moment. I'm not married. I'd like to be married. I'd like to find out I haven't got a boyfriend. I haven't got a girlfriend. I don't know where they're going to come from. I don't know where I'm going to find them. But I won't say that. I'll just keep up a happy smile on the outside. Everything's fine. Deep inside, it's not fine. Deep inside, you may not have the relationships or the conversations that help you unload some of those things. The human heart is looking for intimacy. You know why I like prayer? I find intimacy with God. 
That's the truth. I want prayer, not because I always want to pray about circumstances or people, but because my heart wants intimacy with my Father. Because when I have intimacy with my Father, I find strength flowing into my life. Listen, there's lots more I'd like to talk about. But I want to talk about our friendships, building friends. You got many friends? We don't want to answer that question because it reflects on vulnerability. So it's not about how many friends you've got. It's about the fact that we can all be a friend to somebody else. We can be friends to people who are outside of here. We can share our hearts. We can't necessarily share all of our Christian life because it helps to have people who understand where we're coming from as far as that's concerned. But let's use what God has given to us. Let's use the love that God has poured into our hearts. You know what? God has given each of us three vital components. He's given us love. He's given us the ability to pray. And he's given us the ability to act. And if we took hold of those, each of us, we could transform not only our lives, but the lives of people around us. Love. God has given us his unconditional love through the connection with Jesus Christ. And that means that we have the capacity to love others unconditionally. doesn't mean to say that we're not going to have complaints or difficulties or all sorts of troubles, but we have capacity to love unconditionally because we are unconditionally loved. And love never fails. So we've been given a resource, a weapon to use in this world to make friendships. Love is the first thing. Prayer is the second thing. Prayer changes situations. Prayer draws the presence of God in. Prayer makes connection and intimacy with God. Prayer changes our lives. Prayer changes us. We have the ability to pray, which can also help change relationships. We have love, we have prayer, and thirdly, we have action. And that is what I mean by, I mean by that, is that, that God can, well, we can just say to God, God, I'm, I'm here. I'm here, ready to be used. And God says, will you go and speak to this person? Will you do that? Will you do this? Will you get involved in this? We have the ability to make ourselves available. That's what I mean by action. Make ourselves available for God to use. And God wants to use us in friendships. Let me just jump towards the end of this. Listen to this scripture here. Job 6.14. Not one that we turn to instantly. Anyone who withholds kindness from a friend forsakes the fear of the Almighty. In other words... God wants us to give to friends. God wants us to make friends, to help friends, and to be with friends. Anyone who withholds kindness, it's almost like, well, well God's going to be on their tail. But listen to this, what it says in Proverbs 22, verse 11. He who loves a pure heart and whose speech is gracious will have the king for his friend. So in other words, if we act out of what God can do in us, act in love, act in compassion act in kindness, act in trustworthiness, act in integrity, help to build intimacy in relationships. If we are like that, we have a pure heart and our speech is gracious, then you know what? We can even have the king as our friend. The, the, the limit to whose friends you can be with, whom you can have friendship with, is almost limitless. Are you trustworthy? Are you judgmental? 
Are you truthful? Are you kind? Do you use self-protection rather than opening your life up? You know that selfishness can destroy relationships. But love builds. Love covers. Love forgives. I and mean, we could go into all of that. Father, each of us has a need for friendship. Father, we want friendship with you first and foremost that is real. Where we can truly share our hearts with you. Where we hide nothing from you. Father, help us also to build friendships like that with others here on earth. That we can share our hearts, be open, gain the friendship that others can bring to us. Gain the freedom that declaring what we're really like and not being rejected can bring through friendships. Father, will you help us? I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.